0: and welcome back to beer and football pod it's been a minute folks um however today we're going to drop the beer uh, because there's just too much to talk about we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot of football it's been a hot minute joe yeah, since we months, have yeah. talked and um so much so uh the thruple couldn't make it today but we decided to hop on and uh, we had to, we got to, we got to talk we got to talk yeah. joe
1: we got a lot of stuff to talk about cover of the summer and opening weekend and Lots of tournaments over the summer and
0: tons of, of transfer
1: moves and things like that.
0: Yeah, we got, our, we got to get our predictions in, some rule changes for the Premier League this year. Uh, let's, let's talk about one of Joe's favorite topics, the Chicago Fire. Definitely. And um, we're going to start talking every week now. Uh, we're going to introduce a hot take. It's going to be something that might be controversial, might not everyone agree with. Um uh, might be interesting though because uh might be an overreaction too here and there but we're known <laughs>
1: we're, for that so
0: we're gonna we're gonna try to keep the hot takes to arsenal uh our teta out to a minimum right and um we'll uh try to keep keep you got you our listeners on the toes here and then we'll try to um, keep an eye on the fantasy but um you know not dwelling on too much since you know Jeff, Jeff tends to run away with these here, uh, uh, like we did last that. year.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it'll be it'll be good. So we're going to try to record our shows on Sunday nights and try to get them out early in the week, and hopefully we keep that schedule. And you know, having lives can impact that here and there, but you know that's going to try to be our time frame, and we'll keep it going.
0: Yeah, Sundays seem to work out. Um... Maybe not best for everyone, but uh, we try to get the contents in, we're, and we're going to get the majority of the games to be able to talk about. Uh, might miss a Monday game here and there, but we should be able to pick up midweek, if need be, yep. to, uh, to cover anything we missed. Yeah. All right. So, Joe, how's it
1: going? School started? Yeah, we, we just went back to school this week and um, switched grade levels. I switched uh, districts and things, so I cut my 40-minute commute down to 10. Um, so it's been very nice, uh, leaving a little bit later in the morning, getting there when I want to, and it's been especially nice at night, uh, you know, staying a little bit later but still getting home early, and you know, that stuff is is going to be nice throughout the year, especially in the winter when the weather's not so great. Um, just a couple stoplights I have to deal with, so that stuff's nice. nice. What changes. about you, Jeff?
0: Good changes. Uh, well, since we just uh, talked on, on the pod. I've uh, brought a new life form into this world, uh, a second daughter, Emma. She's now six weeks old, something like that. So that's been fun. Sleep's been um, difficult to come by at times, but things are looking on the up and up. Good. Golf game's been good. Got out today, and I think I sweat through three different shirts today. It was The humidity was unbelievable, and uh, but still wouldn't trade it for anything
1: yeah that's that chicago fall <laughs> yeah. end of summer you know it's kicking up right now and you know it's supposed to be in the 90s for the next few days and
0: and then it'll probably snow after that right
1: yep give it our last you know true summer weather and I'll hopefully get into our fall perfect golfing weather though you hit the ball yeah. farther in a little bit of heat
0: yeah <laughs> i'm not complaining yeah uh so yeah uh speaking of the summer we we had a bunch of summer tournaments to go through um the concacaf nations league that picked up i think from 2018 if i'm uh, not mistaken
1: something weird it was just one yeah. of those tournaments that it just appeared like all right let's give that a watch <laughs> what is
0: this yeah first ever and um you know it was it was fun fun to watch um you know USA got some some amazing talent coming through and we all kind of expected to get to the final against Mexico and Mm. my golly was that a final
1: yeah it's always an expectation that any CONCACAF tournaments we should be getting to the final should probably be a U.S. Mexico for the most part and um, it's nice when it is and it's nice when it's a really great game and it's even better when the U.S. can pull pull the win in a in a thriller which this one was and you know there was a it was nice to see like these young kids who aren't so they're young guys right now that are gelling and at the right time. And, you know, it was a, a fun game, it had everything in it. um And it was just a a perfect finale for that game. I loved it.
0: Yeah. there There was some good football being played and there was some bad football at times. There were so many stops of the game that it was really hard to get the flow at times. You know, there's, VAR calls for offsides, you know, on a goal, there was, uh, I think an overturned penalty kick. There was bottles that struck a, one of the U S players. Um, there was, they stopped it for the, um, the anti-gay chant mm. that Mexico tends to do. Uh, I think they stopped that for a few minutes. So there were so many stops in the game. It was so hard to get a rhythm at some points, but then once it did start flowing, man, it, it was end to end mm-hmm. and um, you know Horvath came up with a huge penalty save uh, and then coming back down the the pitch uh, a few minutes later uh, it was a Polisic that yeah. I think they 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 looked at that one through VAR and ended up giving it and um, he buried it home for what like a 90 or no a hundred yeah. yeah. or something along yep. those lines it was it was crazy. I was in bed. My wife was right next to me just sleeping, and I had the game on, and I was like, quietly fist-pumping in the air. <laughs> come on! Come on! <laughs> Trying not to wake her up. So those, were of, those were one of those games where I, I'll, I'll remember that one for a long time, where you, where you were and, and, uh, and the feeling. Yeah, it's nice to,
1: to get excited about the national team again. Um, there were some pretty down years. You know, not qualifying for the World Cup, the aging team, and you know, not having a lot of success, um, and then not really knowing the players and you know, seeing where they are. But now this group is kind of growing into stardom. Um, they're they're at big clubs. They're you know important pieces of a lot of big clubs, and you know, having them gel at such a young age, and you know, they could be this team could be the next seven eight years. And who knows what they can accomplish. I think the FIFA rankings just came out this week uh, or last week or so, and they're in the top 10. And I think their average age is like less than 24. Um, And I think it was like three or four years less than the rest of the top 10, which is, you know, something to take pride in and and be looking forward to in the future, Um, especially in these tournaments. And, you know, when the World Cup is in 2026 and it's in the, You know, North America, not going to win it, but you know we should put on a really good showing. These guys should be in their prime, prime, and play together for a long time. And who knows what can happen? And it's going to be fun to watch. So hopefully, they can all stay healthy and keep progressing in their careers.
0: Yeah, and I think some um, big kudos has to go out to Burhalter because he was he was brought in as a very unsexy choice as the coach. Uh, very safe choice. Didn't seem like he was going to mix things up. So, you know, winning the the Nations League, all right, cool. You know, he got all this talent. But I think what, what really impressed me about him was the Gold Cup and the way that he brought in these, you know, these MLS players. I wasn't too excited about it just because I saw these MLS players that were mid to late 20s that have really kind of taken their chance or, you know, have been given a chance and has never taken it. But then they introduced some of these other kind of newer young players that are just getting into the fray, and like, okay, here's your chance. You know, this is a B-minus, C-plus squad. What can you guys do? Buy into this, you know, that this is your chance. Give me everything you got. And and they, they showed some grit. I don't think it was the most beautiful of football being played pretty much the whole tournament. I think it was more their grit and determination that really propelled them. Uh, to the final where they played Mexico again, which Mexico brought a pretty strong squad. I wouldn't call it their A-plus squad, but probably A-minus. And... Yeah, it was, it was a
1: strong squad. They, they should have definitely won that game, and, you know, I'm glad they did it. Like, Kellen Acosta was playing really well. Um, I really liked the way that he played. He's, you know, Hoppy, or I think this is how you say his name, he played well. Um, you know, Jesse Zardi's back, but, you know, everyone just kind of played, played well, and it was good to see them frustrate the Mexican team and, and Kellen Acosta, I think he played a beautiful cross that, you know, scored and it was just a good, a good team performance. And that's all you can really ask for in a, in a final, everyone pull their weight and do their job and good things happen.
0: Yeah, he had some uh, some people that really made their name uh, in this tournament, like Matt Turner was pushing for, you know, pushing for that number one spot and goal. And he, he made an argument out of it. Um, James Sands, young kid, center back, showed that he can be calm on the ball and, you know, really, really did well for how young he was or is Hoppy, uh, hope, hope. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, he's playing over in in Europe and and getting some good minutes over at Schalke. And hopefully, you know, he can can help Schalke do a little bit better. Um, But, you know, again, like you said, just getting into different teams across Europe and getting different looks at systems and coaching. And it's it's only good stuff. So um, I, I was not very excited for the Gold Cup, but. After watching a couple games, seeing a couple players that I was really interested in, some I didn't really worry too much about, but you know, some of these young kids coming in will really be able to slot into the World Cup qualifying team and help the the, the depth chart for for Burhalter.
1: Yeah, because it's something that mm-hmm. we've we've desperately needed is that depth. You know, it's always for a long time it was always the same roster the same team, the same everything that was in a big tournament. And that's good for consistency stuff, but you also need that pressure. Um, the national team is a huge deal, and we want to have the best of the best of our country there. Um, and when it's the same people you can get kind of, you know, ago, like when Altador's always um, – was always in the lineup and Bradley and all those guys were just always there. Um, it was kind of tough to see that consistency. And then when they got older, it was, you know, these same guys that like, who are, they, who's going to take over for them. And there were some dark days after they didn't qualify um, where I lost interest. Cause I didn't know anyone that was there, but now, you know, they're performing well. And if this lineup that, we took to the gold cup can produce and perform like this, you know, they're going to put pressure on those main guys that are there and they might sneak into a camp and, and do a good job and be around for qualifiers and things like that. And, you know, it's a good, uh, it's a good mix of kids and, and fringe players that can help the team move forward.
0: Yep, Competition is always needed at the big clubs and, and nations. So, you yeah. Only good things going to come from that. Um, so good things to look forward to from the U.S. team. Um, the Euros was uh, – I, I watched as many games as I could. I was in the hospital, and it was perfect timing. My daughter was being born. I, got, I had nothing to do. All I had to do was sit there and watch TV. And all the games were on. And, man, there were so many good games. They were they were just you know end to end and and scoring late and you know late drama. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Euros this year. <clears throat> you had a lot of upsets. You had some of the the teams that were supposed to go really far or win it got knocked out early. Um, you know what what was your takes on the Euros uh, and and you have any specific games that you remember watching? <laughs>
1: uh, I just you know, having international football is, there's just a different level of it. It just seems, I don't know, it's just a lot of fun to watch. And I love watching games that have a lot of meaning in them. Um, You know, in in a tournament, every game matters. You know, you want to win the first game. If you don't win the first game, you're, you're qualifying for the knockout stages just so much harder. And you now depend on other people to have results fall your way. And You know, it's just, I really liked the way Italy played. I thought that they were great throughout the whole tournament. I I feel like they were deserved winners. Um, You know, Jorginho was just, he bossed the whole tournament. Um, And the way he took his penalty against Spain was like, it was unbelievable. You know, his little hop and the goalie didn't know what to do. And he just like rolled it in the goal. It's just like those it makes, little things it makes
0: it look real easy when yeah, it works. Like,
1: <laughs> I think that was my my highlight of the tournament. And just the the confidence that he just walked up, did his little walk, jump, and just rolled it in the goal as to win the match. I mean, it was just a that was probably my highlight. I really enjoyed that. I didn't like Saka missing that PK. Um, yeah, it was rough to, for the kid to end. Um, you know, I like that he was willing to take it. I like that. Um, I would have liked some. I like him to take it, maybe the third or the second. Um, having him be the fifth one and Grealish doesn't take a PK is was was different. When I saw like that, he was walking up to it. I was like, oh, I wanted Italy to win, um, but I didn't want them to win because Saka missed that PK. Uh, but hopefully, and it's he, unfortunate
0: you know, the. Uh... What happened afterwards as well with how much backlash he got. Like, Definitely. Leave the kid alone. Yeah. So I
1: think, I mean, if you're looking at coaches and, you know, Gareth Southgate brought in two players just for a shootout and those two players missed, I mean, it was, it didn't work out for them. Um, but, you know, they, they took it. Uh, Rashford hit as well. I just, you know, he just hit the post. Um, but it was just a tough, a tough break for England. Um,
0: yeah. But I think to be honest, England put themselves in a spot that, you know, they didn't need to be in shootouts because they had their foot on the throttle and, and they got their goal and then they let it off and, and Italy grew into the game and, and started to boss them around a bit. And and then they had no chance after that to, to get a winner. So they kind of resolved themselves to, you know, the shootout. So, yeah, there's some questionable calls made in the shootout itself and leading up to it, but, you know, if they would have been a bit more proactive, which everyone wanted them to be more front foot and and attack-minded from the onset of the tournament, but Southgate was so defensive throughout. Um, Rice and um, – what's his face? Uh, Alvin Phillips. Yeah, Phillips. You know, they had a fantastic tournament, but then they had, you know – four other guys in the back or five other guys in the back, the wingbacks, you know, it was such a very negative approach throughout mm-hmm. the whole tournament. Um, it was just with all the attacking talent they have, yep. it was really surprising. I mean, he would have been vindicated if you won it and he's kind of vindicated because he made it that far, but you wonder what would happen if you took, you know, a little bit more, of a chance and say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go after Italy and, and really put them on their back foot.
1: Yeah. I, I love Saka. I think he's fantastic. I think he's an amazing talent. Uh, I'm not sure how he gets in a squad over a and over Sancho. Um, unless you're looking to be a little bit more on the defensive side, uh, because Saka is great going forward. He loves to attack people and he loves to make runs, but he's always going to make sure that he is covering and, you know, he's always got a a little bit of an eye on the defensive side, which is great. And I love that. Um, But when you have like five defenders and two defensive midfielders, it's tough to understand where that is, why that's needed. When, you know, you put Sancho and Grealish and Kane up top and like, every team would be fearful of that. Uh, right. and you know, Saka is not, that's not a knock on Saka. That's just Sancho is at a little different level. Um, and you know, he offers something different and, and that was something that if I was an, an England supporter, I would have been a, always questioning that. How is, why yeah. is Sancho <clears throat> not getting minutes? Why are Grealish not getting minutes?
0: It was very interesting. I was I was surprised myself. Grealish was fun to get off, you know, come off the bench and really made an impact. But Sancho really did nothing the whole tournament, right?
1: And then he gets sold um, for you know, seventy-five million or whatever. Like, it's right? not that he was some some scrub. He's a you know seventy-five million. He was hundred million the previous summer that they didn't want to let go of. It's just
0: well, that's the uh, luxury of having such talent coming through England yeah. squad right now. Yeah, uh, I mean gotta, they're going to be good gotta, going
1: forward. Right. It's got to be said,
0: though, that Ericsson's uh, situation, the first game um, for Denmark was uh, very tragic. And, yeah. and, you know, in hindsight, it, everything worked out, you know, OK for him. Yeah. You know, but it was crazy to see the scenes of the team and the solidarity you know, surrounding him and making sure he's OK. And, you know, but the impact emotionally from everyone from that game, who knows how he can get back and play a game you yeah, I saw a teammate just die like yeah
1: i know, mean it I was it was nuts i wasn't watching it live um but i saw the i saw the replay on twitter i was like how do you see that in the teammate and like handle that i mean that's you know the well, i forget the name of the captain kajir or something something along those lines but the way he just like you know jumped into action and the medical people who ran on and saved his life and things like that. Like, you know, those are split second decisions that save someone's life. And that's, you know, something that was awesome to see that, you know, he was able to survive and he's, you know, doing all right. I think now, I think he's doing well. He's just, you know, as, how does, how is he feeling and things like that? Like, that's a scary, you know, he seems like he was doing fine and all of a sudden he's just on the floor and you know, that was crazy. It was crazy, yeah. crazy things.
0: Yeah, uh, maybe they'll take something away from that and you know, the tournament going forward. <clears throat> say, hey, let's let's not continue the game after yeah. uh, after a situation like this because there's got to be some things see. that are bigger than the game, and that, I think well, that was one of them. Absolutely, uh, you can see it within Schmeichel. I mean, he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world, never making mistakes, and right. he had, you know, it, it just mental lapse and let, let a goal in and, yeah. and then they lose the game. Like, I mean, no one could blame him. Right. I doubt anyone does. Yeah. But um, Yeah. That was, that was, you know, a big talking point in the tournament and everyone is very, very glad to see that uh, that he made it through. All right. Uh, another big talking points was Germany, Netherlands, France, all dropped in the first round of the playoffs, you know, Teams that are expected to go make deep runs in France, honestly, probably one of the favorites to win the whole thing, getting knocked mm-hmm. out. Yep. Those were huge. Mm-hmm. Um, Denmark turning it around after um, <clears throat> after Eriksen goes down and making the, the deep run that they did. That was a nice Cinderella story to see. And, and even Switzerland knocking off France. That was yep. an unbelievable game. I think they yeah. came back and you know, Pogba with that huge goal. I think it put them up by two, and then they, yeah. they gave up the two later. I, like oh. I, I
1: watched the game. I watched the Pogba goal. I and then you know, it was like, like the 80th minute. I was like, it's three to one. Like right. what the heck's game gonna over. happen? I didn't. I didn't watch. And then I, like, I turned back like 20 minutes later, and the game's an extra time. I'm like, what? And then you know, how does that happen? How can I mean France? They gotta. They have a team that can do a lot of damage and they got to get it together. Um, but, you know, credit to Switzerland, they were, they were fun to watch. Um, you know, that, that underdog kind of story is, is what I love about international tournaments. Um, you know, because they it seemed everyone just plays for something that's a little bit more and playing for your country is something that, you know, is a pretty cool thing and just the way they battle and never give up, give up. That's a, and that's what makes international tournaments so fun for me.
0: Yeah, so that one that one was definitely worth the year wait, uh, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, speaking of waiting, uh, Messi has been waiting for silverware with Argentina for how long now? Forever. Um, that was one of his biggest knocks on the GOAT argument since uh, Ronaldo has won the Euros. And for some, for some. For some, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, And Messi hasn't won anything until this summer. Finally get to the final uh, against Brazil. Brazil's probably favorites at that point. I think it was in Brazil as well. Or they moved it from one country to another because of COVID. Um, Maybe they moved it from Brazil to Argentina or vice versa. But uh, Messi, they they finally found a way. and, And Messi takes home... First silverware with Argentina. So good, good job for him more on Messi shortly. I, and one thing I can say,
1: I wish I watched more of the Copa America. Uh, those, I watched the final and the games and I, I watched, I think it was Argentina, Chile too. Like the games were just so open and so back and forth and back and yeah. forth, um, that they made for great watching, um, it almost felt at times like it was the opposite of the euros where the euros are so concentrated on not giving up a goal, not giving up a goal and the Pope America felt like it was i 'm going to score more goals than you um, that kind of vibe and it was it was entertaining to say the least i 'm really glad that Messi got that win to get that kind of off of his back um, he didn 't need it for me uh, but you know, he he needed it for himself. I think it was just good to to get that. And, you know, Mart, Martin, uh, I mean, Martinez getting the, the win. And, you know, it was just a, it was a cool, a cool final to watch. So I'm glad that he got that win. And I wish I watched more of the tournament.
0: Yeah, I did end up watching a few games and, you know, I think part of it for me that I didn't watch more was just the lack of other, you know, big names outside of Argentina and, mm. you know, uh, Brazil and maybe a, one or two superstars sprinkled in and Chile and uh, Uruguay and, you know, a few others, you don't, you don't have those recognizable names um, as much as you do in the Euros. Sure. So, and they do play a different game. Like you said, um, mm. it's a bit, a little bit more Fouls, um the the technical ability is there, but like you said, the tactics are slightly different. You know, there's a bit more space and a little bit more attacking, so uh, just a difference, different tournament. I just don't think it gets uh, enough exposure because of the names that um, you have in the Euros. Mm-hmm. It's hard to com- hard to compete with that. Yeah, I think the last uh, summer tournament we the, had was the Olympics.
1: Um, interesting. It's a different kind of tournament. Um, you know, bring the under 23s and then you get the, I think it's three overage players. So Danny Alves captaining Brazil at 38 um, was, uh, was interesting. The final was, it was decent. It was a good enough game. Um, what I think, uh, Pedri for Spain, you know, we played. And that final, I think, was a 70 second game of this, that season, which is insane. At I think he's 18, 19 years old. You know, he played for Barcelona. He goes to Euros. He goes to the, the um, Olympics, and then first weekend of the season in La Liga, and he's playing again. You know, it's just you got to give that kid a break. You're gonna. I know Barcelona's in a, a world of hurt, but you got to give that kid a break and you know, you're going to run them into the ground and who knows, but you know, that that final was, was interesting. Um, it was back and forth and um, Brazil takes it home.
0: Yeah. I'll admit, I think I watched probably 20 minutes of the Olympic fo- football. Um, I think it was Japan and Mexico, which Japan looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't recognize many of, or any names in either squad, but I think that's relatively common in um, Olympic teams since they are the less professional players. Sure. But um, yeah, I think, I don't think there can be much taken from Olympic football just because like you said, it is, you know, the younger players and such. I think it's more so, you know, Hey, let's look out for these teams in the future because they're going to have the talent that's going to be coming up to the senior squads. So as One sure thing that know, was a little
1: disappointing was you know, the U.S. not being in it as for the men. Um, right. You know that that part is uh, something that I think gets forgotten about. Uh, but that uh, the way that you know they lost to Honduras at, or El Salvador in the semis of the qualifying was completely unacceptable, and you know it's too bad because they could do they could have done really well at this tournament um, because of how young they really are and. Um, hopefully they get it together and can get into the next one because it's good experience for those younger players. The women took home the bronze. Um, you know, not the best tournament for them. Um, yeah, from start to finish, they looked. Yeah, it was slow. Yep, it was not. Uh, they started off poorly. You know, came back and and won big, but you know, it just wasn't. Uh, it wasn't their tournament, unfortunately, and you know that's that's kind of the way it goes and those players are getting up there in a little bit of age. And I think Carly Lloyd just retired. So hats off to her. She had a great career. And you know, I think yeah, she really,
0: might be, um, next in line. I know there's, yeah. there's a lot of, a lot of heat coming on her for some comments that she's made throughout the tournament and such. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens.
1: So it's time for the, the old guard is kind of on its way out and the, the new, the younger players are going to have to take over. And, you know, those players, those other players that were on the way out they they paved a, a nice road for the future to keep moving forward and you know continue that tradition hopefully they yeah, can do together set
0: the bar a little high there
1: they did they <laughs> did but that's that's good um it was good they should keep that keep going and keep raising the bar and those expectations shouldn't drop and we'll keep seeing where they go
0: yeah, so hopefully that will continue. But um, there are some some good young talent coming through. But we'll see how they integrate after this tournament and the disappointment from from it. So it's always tough doing that transition.
1: Yeah. So I think now we can transition into some of the more club football. Um, some, you know, the summer is always a fun time with transfers and things like that. And
0: Philly season. Uh, yeah, there was.
1: There were some big moves, some small moves that um, happened too, and I'm sure the window still has you know eleven days or so, twelve days, and there will be a lot more moves to happen. But um, some big ones were, you know, Grealish going to to City for a hundred million and
0: a hundred mil. Let's beat this one up for a second. Sure. Um, What do you think? Is is he worth that? He's young English talent, so that goes for a premium. About a hundred million?
1: It, it's a lot of millions. It's a lot of millions. <laughs> um and I don't know if he's what what would consider worth it. Yeah. I don't know what's he have to do to make it worth it. I I don't know. I feel like it was a completely unnecessary purchase um yeah. for City. I don't what, I think
0: what, what after looking at their bench?
1: <laughs> after looking at their just their roster. Uh, you know, Sterling's pretty good. Uh, Marez is pretty good. They got Bernardo Silva. They have De Bruyne. They have Foden. Now they have Grealish. I mean, they have, what was it, Torres, I think, is the young kid that Ferran Torres can play anywhere up there. And, you know, Grealish adds that. But, you know, that just knocks someone, someone Gundogan, down. The pecking Rodri.
0: Order.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> it's a lot keep these
0: guys happy yeah
1: i think that money if they throw that money more at kane i think it makes their team completely unstoppable um so it's just i mean they're still going for kane it's not stopping them from going from kane um but i think it's a little bit steep but you know it, it could be the piece that keeps them pushing forward and can maybe take them over the hump in the Champions League. And I think that's going to be obviously their big push is for a Champions League because they know that they, they've won the league and they've done that type of thing, but they have not made that final real step in winning the Champions League. And
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, it kind of brings up something I remember here um, <clears throat> recently with the the financial fair play right? it brings into question, how do you buy all these players and not be in violation? You know, they, they obviously had their ban of two years that got rescinded. So what they're talking about now is going more uh, American style. They're talking about going to the um, uh, salary cap with a luxury tax. So, you know, you say, hey, everyone can spend this amount, but if you want to spend over it, you just got to pay premium. You're going to pay, you're going to pay extra. And if you pay the luxury tax, I think, I don't know. remember the details, but it's essentially if you do it too many times, you get you, you get deducted points or you get a penalty of some kind. So they are trying to figure out a better way to limit these cities and Chelseas that are spending ridiculous money year after year. I mean, Chelsea just brought in Lukaku for, what did he go for, 80?
1: Some, yeah, so 75, 80, something like that, yeah. yeah.
0: And Man U's been splashing the cash on Verana and Sancho. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these teams year after year are just spending so much money. I think I saw a number that said that City lined up on the field with a $550 million team. Yep. Or, no, $550 million Euro team mm-hmm. or pound or whatever whatever number it was. But it doesn't matter. It's a ridiculous. That's It's so much more than any other squad can line up in like any league. I mean, Bayern can't even do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of money at these top teams and, you know, it's, they're all fighting for that, that top spot and, you know, throwing a hundred million at Grealish. It's huge for Villa. I mean, he's a, he's a youth academy guy and, you know, it's just a big, a big influx of cash that's right there. And I think they've already started to spend some of it. Um, but you know, that's a lot of money to go. Um, and, uh, so that part is, is interesting. And there's a lot of moves and a lot of little moves that, that people spend a lot of money, but there's some big free transfers that that happened too. And, you know, that's a PSG. I mean, could they have had a better, a better window? I mean, if Cristiano Ronaldo (laughs) goes there too, I mean, you know, you get Sergio Ramos, you get Wijnaldum, you get Hakimi. They spent sixty million to get Hakimi, but
0: you also get
1: Donnarumma. I mean, Donnarumma, Donnarumma. is—I yeah. think he's a top five keeper right now at twenty-two years old, and they get him for free. I mean, if they try to buy him, he's a—I mean, Arsenal just bought Ramsdale for thirty million. What does Donnarumma go for? You
0: no, know, he's Not a too much.
1: I mean, it's crazy, and they get him for free. And then, you know, the still got to pay
0: Mbappe, still got to pay yeah. Neymar. I mean, this kind of gets into the same thing. How do they sure. pay all these guys and still fit in within the, the framework that's laid out for them?
1: And then and that Barcelona fiasco and Messi can't play there, and he goes <laughs> for free. And I think I saw somewhere that in 24 hours, PSG sold like 800,000 jerseys with Messi's name and they made like 130 million or something off of it. Like, you know, that's, I mean, Messi is, he is top dog and he is someone you think would never leave Barcelona and he didn't want to leave Barcelona. Barcelona didn't want him to leave, but Barcelona's financial situation is, I mean, the definition of a hot mess and (laughs) it's so bad that you lose Messi. And yeah. Gerard Piqué has to cut his wages by fifty percent, so you can register players that you sign for free, like Aguero and Depay. And uh, there was another player too. Like that's a mess. I think they're at they're in one point three billion in debt.
0: Yeah, they still need Griezmann and Coutinho and someone else, and titty to, I mean,
1: all these people to leave, and <laughs> they're not going to leave because they don't want to take a pay cut and they shouldn't like Barcelona shouldn't have gotten in that situation. And now, you know, who's going to want to sign Coutinho on, you know, wages that he might not be worth. And why would he leave to take something less when he could make that money and and walk for free in probably a year or two years.
0: Yeah. And, but, and, and it brings up something that, you know, I, I obviously don't, and we don't have the the privy to, but You know, you got these these teams that still have money coming in and you got these teams that are are just hurting because of not only previous uh, contracts, but COVID has been killing them. Uh, Why do you think Lukaku has been sold after they have won the Scudetto for the first time in, what, 10 years or something? Mm -hmm. Inter shouldn't have to do that. And, um, you know, Martinez is they were talking about selling him as well. You know, they're selling off their prized possessions just to stay afloat. it's yes. just, you know, but you got these big English teams and PSG who are just like, yeah, yeah, we'll take them, you know, bring mm-hmm. them on over. Now they're stacking the, the deck uh, even more so against some middle table teams that might have an opportunity to try to disrupt the the order of things. You know, Lester has tried to, Leicester tried to get into the Champions League the last two years and failed, but they've been up there. You know, West Ham definitely punching above their weight class, but they were up there. Mm-hmm. But no one's been able to crack the top four in the Premier League outside of Leicester's miracle run, yep. however many years ago that was. Like, ever. It's always been one of the top six. Um, and so there's, you know, we love football for the fact that the Denmarks can make a run into the semifinals. Um, Switzerland can knock off France. Yeah, Leicester, who can shock the Premier League. But if if these big money moves continue to happen by poaching teams that are in trouble financially, I think it's just going to widen the gap. I, don't hope, I hope that's not the case. I hope they could come up with something to even it out a bit. But uh, the way that it's looking, in my opinion is that the te- top teams will get stronger and, and everyone else will be left behind. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's a perfect transition into the little guys beating the big guys because <laughs> the Premier League started off with a bang last week. And, you know, if there was a worse start that could be written, I, I, I don't know what it would be with Arsenal dropping to, to newly promoted Brentford um, in the most typical Arsenal way possible. Um, but you know, it was, it was awesome to see the supporters back in the stands. And, and that part was, you know, it just changes the way a a football match is, is viewed on TV for me. I mean, it's, you know, you forget how fun it is to hear the boo when a call you don't like is there. And, you know, when they're doing something that they shouldn't and the crowd isn't in involved and you know it's just uh it makes the game so much more fun to watch um unfortunately it was at arsenal's expense and
0: you know, i heard i heard a fun stat about the brentford team um this was their first game in the premier league since 1940 Yeah,
1: so like 75 years something like that yeah
0: and the last time they played in the premier league their last game was against arsenal oh yeah i didn't know that yeah, yeah so. it's uh
1: the typical, another, another long-throwing kind of team. <laughs> you know, we had a, a long throw that, that bounces inside the six-yard box against Arsenal, very typical. You know, we. I think Ben White is going to be a very good player. Um, I think he's got a bright future. He's good on the ball. He's quick. He's all those things that we're kind of looking for. Um, one thing, he is definitely not as good in the air, um, which is, a reason that he fit right in in Arsenal, uh, but I think that he'll come good. I think he'll be good. Um, he's young. It's, I mean, it's it's a fine signing. It just didn't work out. You know, he just the ball bounces in front of him and barely jumps, and it goes over his head and it's do nothing. And it's uh, one of those games that you didn't think it was possible that Arsenal could lose until they start playing and. <laughs> and then they do and, and
0: here we go again <laughs> and here we go
1: again is right and now we get the luxury of having Chelsea on the weekend and then we go to City away next weekend like so i did hear
0: a- though that um there there was a a covid outbreak in the team and arteta was really surprised that the league actually let the game go on so you see martinelli starting after coming back from the olympics you got bologun leading yep. the line I mean, this is not your lineup that you would have predicted a week ago even with yeah. Lukongu coming in and White coming in, two new signings straight into the first match.
1: Yeah, I'm, so Lukongu, he was, I think he was my man of the match for Arsenal players. He was fantastic. Um, young kid stepping in his first Premier League game, and he was demanding the ball. He was moving it forward. He was turning and, and attacking and doing the things that we hope that players do. Um, it just was leading to to nothing um, when it got off of his foot, which is you know the same things that were happening last season, and you know that part was a little demoralizing as a supporter. Um, but you know, not that this is an excuse because there's no excuse. Arsenal should never lose to Brentford, and they should never it should have never happened. Uh, but losing Lacazette and Aubameyang your two strikers that can play up top two days before because of COVID, you got to play Balogun, who I don't, is not good enough to lead the line definitely right now. Um, He should be coming off the bench at the end of a match that we're ahead and getting those, that experience, you know, it showed he, he barely touched the ball. He was not moving the way that we needed. And, you know, it just not having somebody that can take pressure off up top is going to clog things down on the sides and, you know, it's, uh, it was just a terrible situation and it made it worse when we, we give it, were giving up goals in a typical Arsenal fashion and, you know, it was a, a nightmare start and I'm a little fearful that it's going to be a nightmare couple next couple weeks and, you know, I would not be surprised if we're in the relegation zone with a negative 6-7 goal differential after City next weekend. You know, it's going to be – I mean, at some point, it's going to come and it's going to get Arteta because the team doesn't play well. And I just don't know if it's going to get fixed anytime soon. And I'm a little nervous.
0: Yeah, I think at this point – you know, the odds are against Arteta to survive another season there. So hopefully he can turn things around and be the man, because I think we're all rooting for him, but mm-hmm. it's just not, it's just not working out at this point. And this is a, as we've said before, this is a, um, you know, a performance-based job. You got to yeah. perform, you got to, you got to win or you, you get replaced. And yeah, that's as simple as it is. You'll find someone that can do it. Yep. Uh, so, i see a lot of
1: things going around that there's uh, Antonio Conte is not, does not have a job and Arteta does. And, you know, at what point, I mean, who knows what is going to happen. And I, I really want Arteta to be successful uh, but I just think that this has gotten away from him and it's going to be hard it's to be hard to justify staying in the job. If things don't drastically change and, They haven't drastically changed. So So we'll
0: keep an eye on that because he's probably at the top of the leaderboard for uh, the bookies to be the first axed. Um, We shall see. Um, Yeah. Good weekend though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The game went probably as planned. Um, Liverpool, didn't really have any surprises too much in terms of lineup. <clears throat> Didn't have our full squad. Um, uh, Henderson was still coming back. I think Tiago was still coming back. And a uh, big surprise, though, was that big, big Virgil got the start, which was awesome to see. Man, it was just such a relief to get just him back in the team. He, he just transforms the team a little bit. You now, he, he's still a little rusty in terms of the defending side of things. You can see he's, he doesn't have those decisions that he's made in the past, you know, so quick and crisp, but th- that will come with game time. What i love to see was his, his distribution, which we miss sorely. You know, the balls over the top, you know, not necessarily expecting the forwards to get those first balls, but really everyone engaging in winning that second ball and just now pressing higher up the field. Salah looked crisp, and not only did he look crisp, he had two assists, one might have been an accident,
1: it yeah, was <laughs> definitely not, it, but
0: that's good fantasy
1: points, right?
0: Right. <laughs> uh, and then a the nice taking goal, uh, but he he was passing the ball. He, he, there was a couple times where you're like, whoa, Salah didn't shoot. He passed the ball, um, which is, as long as he's scoring as well, that's awesome to see because that just builds chemistry and trust. Mane wasn't, he, he was fine. He He's definitely better than he was last year. Jota looked good. I liked I loved seeing him up top and getting a nicely taken goal. Um the midfield three was a little surprising to me. Milner, Keita and, and Ox, but they, they did well to to control the midfield. And um I think Keita's making this a claim for himself to for more game time, which we I think he has the talent, but see if he can stay healthy. Um Kostas. Let's talk about Costa a little bit. The the Greek watch invasion. out Robertson right. It's this is what we've been missing a little a little uh, competition in the left back spot. Trent and, and Robertson have had like no competition the last couple of years. Not that they've really shown that they've needed it, but it's always good to have the competition to push people to the next level. So awesome to see him step in. He he had a couple miss passes, but I think overall he he was. He was threatening. He didn't get beat out, you know, didn't get caught out too often. Um, It might help having Virgil right next to you. So. It might. Yeah. You know, having, having that type of presence tends to give you a little confidence boost, but overall Matip had a really good game and did a lot of Matip type things. I I remember watching then Norwich tried to play the ball over the top quite often. And they were having none of it. They they were just cleaning everything up and and really didn't allow too much. Um, Still have some work to do to clean up the defensive side a little bit more, but I think overall, uh, you know, job well done. So I'm not going to take too much out of the performance because it's the first game of the season against the promoted team, which I, you know, reiterate later, I have them going down this year. Um, so I'm not going to take too much out of it, but it's always nice to get a, out to a good start. That coming from a Liverpool
1: fan. <laughs> Arsenal plays a newly promoted team and the world is, is, is burning. But we're, we're in a little different, yeah, spots. We're in a little different <laughs> spots. <laughs> but one thing that we both agree on it. It's great to have it back. Um,
0: Absolutely. The
1: weekends are just so much more enjoyable when there's, you know, 10 games throughout the weekend and
0: you know, both of our teams were away. Right. And and now yeah, this week they're home. They're so home. it'll be fun to watch the home support for, <laughs> for Liverpool.
1: <it'll> be home. <laughs> I, I think,
0: uh, pitchforks and <laughs> I
1: think, I think it could get a little toxic at Arsenal. Unfortunately, I think, uh, you know, when Chelsea score their first goal, I think it's going to be, and just, I think the mentality of the Arsenal players is just so fragile. Um, that I don't, I'm a little nervous of, you know, them just completely breaking down because the supporters have been holding in a year (laughs) and a half of wanting to voice their opinions to whoever they need to voice their opinions to. And, you know, I can yell at the TV all I want (laughs) down here, but, you know, especially at fire games, like when I'm at the game, I was like, oh my gosh, you need to hear me? and you need to hear how i feel and that's going to be you know 60,000 arsenal supporters are are going to hopefully support the players um when they need it but when it, things go bad it's going to be it could be a a not very fun place for anyone related to the club
0: but yeah it should be interesting um hopefully they just keep it
1: you know yeah and then, <laughs> i mean <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. hopefully I'm wrong, and I hopefully you know Chelsea don't perform and Arsenal perform well. But you know it it could be another Balogun up top because I think Lacazette and Aubameyang are still in quarantine, and you know Martinelli out wide or Pepe and Saka. I mean, hopefully Odegaard is you know he was brought in uh, today. Him and Ramsdale were brought in, and hopefully Odegaard is has been training well at Madrid and can get on the bench at least, and maybe you know come in as like second half
0: sub and they definitely needed that creative it. midfielder to, to mm-hmm. break things down. Cause they, they were, they were lacking options um, or lacking ideas, I should say. <clears throat> um, and a guy like Odegaard seems to be needed.
1: Yeah, so. He's not the, he's not the sexiest players. We had him on loan and he's just a, he's good on the ball. He's confident. He he's, he's going to bring people into play. And I think it's, I think people, I at least forget, you know, he's only 22 years old. He's been around forever, um, and getting him for thirty million or so, it it seems like a a no-brainer. But it's just, you know, James Madison was talked about a lot, and I think I would prefer James Madison to Odegaard. I think Madison has some more goals in him, but Odegaard is a good player. He's a good young player. Um, Arsenal have a bright future in terms of talent and young talent um, that could hopefully gel together. I just think at the moment it's it's tough it's a tough process and hopefully it gets the ship gets righted quickly but you know it's hard to to watch your team struggle so much when you know the talent is there it's just they can't get get it together
0: all right Joe Arsenal Chelsea what's the score uh two nothing Chelsea all right. Unfortunately, no Pulisic. Um, I only yeah. like watching Chelsea for Pulisic, but uh, he's out with COVID. Uh, Liverpool-Burnley, I'm going to go 2-1. Uh, Liverpool, being at home, they got to they win. They just yeah. got <clears> to. <throat> All right. Um, so, with the, the Chelsea prediction, you're hoping they're off their game. Yeah. We're, we're going to get into our predictions for the season. So Mike, Mike is unfortunately not able to join us tonight. However, he did send in his predictions and he's got... He we, picked we all uh, have, Palace
1: to win the league, Norwich <laughs> to get second.
0: Brentford is yeah. uh, up there.
1: Newcastle in, uh, getting fourth. Sorry, Mike. No, Mike, Mike, you you know. Mike had uh, Chelsea Chelsea winning, City second, United third, and Liverpool uh, in fourth for the Champions League spots. Who did you have, Jeff?
0: Uh, very similar. I think all of ours are probably. We have the same top four, right? Uh, It's just a matter of order. I had Chelsea, Liverpool, City, Man United. Um, It's pain to me to put United in there, but after their first performance, it's it's hard not to. Yeah, I went.
1: uh, I went City, United, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool. I think uh, it's going to be. I think we you definitely all agree that those four are the the clear kind of above the rest in terms well, front of front runners. Yeah, of where they're going to be. It's just a matter of how they perform. Um, injuries, and, obviously. And injuries and things like that. And um, I think uh, hopefully like last season, relegation and all of the spots that are worth things are all still in play at the end and um, makes it just for a great 38 game season. Who did you have going down, Jeff?
0: So I tried to pick this before the first week but um I didn't so I took Norwich uh, Norwich Crystal Palace and I threw in Burnley that was a a little a little change that I had just uh, just recently I think Burnley is the, their depth has always been an issue um and I think that they're going to struggle <clears throat> How about you
1: Uh yeah I think Burnley could struggle too. I, I don't have them going down. I think that somehow they'll figure out a way to stay up like they tend to do. And But I went with Brentford, uh, Palace, and Norwich. I think uh, Brentford is, it seemed like, just another team um, that will uh, just kind of come in the Premier League for a season and, and fall back down, just like Norwich, kind of hopping back and forth. But I think Brentford... You know, since they haven't been here 75 years, I think it, they're just on a little tour. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a and, safe bet. And, and, you know, all credit to them. And, you know, I hope that they have more highlights in their season. I hope that they do well. It's fun to see those kind of smaller clubs do well. But uh, if Arsenal can give them their highlight of the season in the opening weekend, <laughs> uh, more power to them.
0: You know that's very, uh, it's very big of you to be able to say that the team that that just came up from the Premier League after seventy four years that beat you guys. Get the you hell didn't out of them here! Top of the league.
1: <laughs> it's more, it's more fuel for Arteta's fire when he gets. You know he got lo- he lost to the relegated, relegated newcomers, but uh, Mike had a has Southampton going down, Southampton Palace and Norwich. So that's, yeah. So. Uh,
0: We all agree on Palace and Norwich. Uh, Seems like Palace has just not strengthened anywhere. And with Vieira coming in and brand new coach, well, new coach to the Premier League, Mm -hmm. that seems like a recipe for disaster. So I think we all agree there. Norwich, um, I don't think Buki can lead the line in the Premier League. Did very well in the championship. If he's the one leading the line, I think they're in trouble. Um, and then we all differ on our third pick. So we'll see who's right, wrong by the end of the year. We were proven very wrong by Villa last year. All three of
1: us had Villa. And uh, I think they surprised everybody. But yeah. we were very, very wrong on that.
0: So we'll we'll see. That's why we love this sport. See what yeah. uh, surprises come in place. But... We're we're introducing our hot take this year, and our first one that we're throwing out there, Joe. I think this is yours, yeah. so I'll let you. Yeah, I'll, uh, take I have in. a hot
1: take, and I think yeah. uh, I think Leeds are going to struggle this year. I think they will be in a in a relegation battle. I think they will definitely be safe, um, but I think it's going to come late in the season. I think that they're going to be they're too wide open. I think the goals are going to dry up. I think Bamford was. Uh, scoring a lot more goals than he probably should have last year, um I think those goals will kind of dry up for him and uh I just think that the way that they're so open and the way they press so much, I think teams will be able to absorb that pressure a little bit more and hit them on the counter and you know they uh they were all over the place against United United looked great um i don't enjoy saying that, but you know they looked deadly in that counter attack and um Leeds just they seem to be space all over the pitch, um, and I, I think that that's going to continue and teams in the Premier League are just they're good um, and they can if they find little pockets that they uh will kind of score those goals and if you give teams chances that you know they tend to to execute so i think uh, I think leads are going to struggle this season, and I think that they'll 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 end up safe. Late in the season.
0: All right, so uh, you know that's a very, a very uh, bold take, in my opinion. Since they were flying high, they they were kind of an all or nothing team. You know, we're gonna we're gonna beat you down, and we're gonna win the games that you probably don't expect us to, and maybe lose the games that you we should win. Uh, but they were definitely a lot uh, flying a lot higher than most people expected coming into the league last year um rafino is a big target for a lot of big clubs this mm-hmm. this summer uh they tied down jack harrison they picked up june junior ferpo from barcelona so they, they've not really strengthened their squad in my opinion but they've kept everyone that gave them their success from last year so if as long as everyone can keep uh, their fitness up i think that you're going to be wrong joe and they're going to continue to beat up some of the – they're going to take points from teams they shouldn't.
1: Yeah, I think that, (sighs) you know, Bielsa Ball is going to – is fun to watch from the neutral, but, you know, it's got a –
0: Remember, they got beat up by Man U last year, about the same score line, and then they bounced back and won, I think, three in a row. So I think that this is a blip from the first week. And uh, Bielsa is gonna gonna turn around, turn him around, right the ship. I don't think that he would allow for the, his for his teammates or for his team to to lose uh, too many games. Yeah, I think I think that
1: they're like a 14th, 15th, 16th kind of kind of placement this year.
0: One, uh, not hot take, but uh, excitement in my part, my park here is Watford is back. Oh yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> They were at the top of the table for a few seconds there. <laughs> Watford uh, started out, you know, 1-0. and And um, got some exciting talent to look out for. Smalley Saar is, is still on people's radars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis, I think, uh, picked up a, a goal in his first game. And um, so... <laughs> I'm looking forward to Watford, uh, really fighting with the big boys at the top of the table here.
1: Yeah, we all did. We all have Watford staying safe. Yep. You know, so hopefully, hopefully that's that's good because it's always good to have a have a Jeff Watford talk about for, <laughs> you know them winning the league and things like that. Uh, but you know, hopefully, hopefully they it. can stay safe. It's fun to see those teams. You know, the the teams punch above their weight and and steal points off of. Other teams that they might not
0: have have uh, normally, and
1: you know, yeah, I mean, will... you
0: think about it. They have twenty two thousand know, capacity stadium. What was the fire at at Toyota Park? Yeah, that's what. That was about twenty one, twenty one thousand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thinking that this team in the top tier of of English football, which is some of the best football being played in the world, and you got this this stadium that is barely bigger than the Fire Stadium was. Yeah. That's awesome to see. I love it. That's why we love the
1: game. I love it. Anyone can beat anyone on every, any given day.
0: Speaking but of the fire. Speaking
1: of the fire.
0: What's <sighs> going on, Joe? There, Do you even want to talk about it? Yeah, we have
1: to. That's how I feel. Um, it's uh, it's just so frustrating.
0: The team, you know. So where were we when, uh, when we last um, potted here?
1: Uh, the fire are probably were the fire at? bottom of the table, because um, I think that's where they've been the whole season so far. Uh, right now, I think they're in third from bottom in the East. Uh, they played a couple more games than the teams below them, but they're at they played twenty games and they're at twenty points, and that's the way it's been for the last eight years or so. They're about a point a game, and you know it's really frustrating they it's it's hard to understand how they could go through so many managers and still like play the same way and they're just if you need a, if you're playing the fire and you need a goal in the 80th minute or past you're probably going to get it uh, just this past week you know, we give up yeah. a ninety third minute goal to lose to enter Miami who is below us in the table. Um, you know, it's just I think I, I went through and they've given up eight goals this season after the eightieth minute. Um, and that's that a hurts. lot of goals. Yeah. And they're not usually they're game they're usually game deciding goals. So they're tied or they're you know, they're winning and they give up a late goal. Like even against Columbus, um, you know, Columbus didn't do anything all match. No shots on goal for the most part. And then it's the end of the match and they throw their bodies forward and they're hitting the post. And Shuttleworth is making unbelievable saves. And, you know, it's if you're just and looking for pure entertainment, you know, the Fire are probably going to, you're going to see goals in the game. They might score them and they're definitely going to give them up. And it's uh, it seems like there's no end in sight of their performances. They're just, all they do is tie or lose. They don't really win. Um, And Frankowski was, he was good. He was a, a fun player to watch. He's been here for the past like three years or so and he's gone. They sell him and, and I get it's a selling league and you, and it's a selling team. If we can find these young talent and sell them and, and make a profit and is a good policy and a good way to think if you're successful on the field, Um, when you're not successful on the field and you sell your best players, it's hard to, to justify going. And I've only gone to the home opener and I have not gone back since. And I don't, see a reason to go back um they don't when i go there i don't i'm not happy uh they don't bring joy when i go to the games it's it's a, it's frustrating right now and you know they have since they moved to soldier field i think the league and the fire were forced to sp- send all of their home games at the beginning of the season before the bears start because right now they're on a six game road trip which is unheard of in mls that's not a common thing um it's not like baseball or basketball and you go on a six-game road trip and that's really only a week and a half this is their next home game is september 26th or the 28th and that's a long ways away and unfortunately the fire are awful on the road so they have these six games they'll probably pick up three three points. And that's not good when you're in the bottom of the league. So I think they have four home game left of the rest of the season. And it's just not a good time right now, but 2022 season tickets are on sale. So you can go ahead and support the. You can go ahead and support the fire with that. um, If you're looking for that. So, um,
0: yeah, that's kind of a little breakdown of, of the fire summer. So they, they, they moved to the soldier field, which is a ambitious move. And, you know, it's more the bigger stadium. It's closer to downtown. So, you know, they're, they're looking to attract more interest. So, okay. Not they're really working out on the field, but they, they have some ambition there. Another positive move is the logo. Right. I, the logo got changed from its uh, fireman's crest. I'm probably don't, not calling it correct, but, um, you know, to a un, unbelievable uh, crown river th- reflection thingy that no one understands. And, yep. you know, they, they, t- they heeded the advice of the fans and said, you know, WTF, this is just not right. So they did a survey, they did a lot of research, and they came up with a new crest. Which initially I was not impressed with, but the more I looked at it, the the more it was growing on me. And um, it's definitely an improvement from their mistake. So positive in the marketing aspect, at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, the logo they have now is not a single thing on there says Chicago, um, which, you know, didn't sit well with anyone. And I couldn't believe that that was the logo they came up with. Um, It just, it was like the fire would burn down, but the yellow is rising again. That's some weird way to try to justify an awful design that they spent two years creating and lots of marketing for and, and back and forth with firm, like creative firms in California to create our logo. And it, it was just awful. And thankfully, they realized that and have tried to to rectify it. And the new logo is basic, um, but it definitely screams Chicago. You know, it's got the, Chica- the Chicago blue. Um, it's got the C back in there. It's got the Chicago star. Like it it screams Chicago, which is is nice and it it kind of brings it back but it's still it seems basic but it's much better than what we have currently um, and hopefully with this can bring back our our light blue kit that we had a long time ago that is a fan favorite um, it's easily recognizable it's one of those things that i wish i i owned i own a lot of fire kits but i don't own that one um, and I can't find it. I wish I did, uh, but hopefully, it can kind of bring that light blue kit—at least the third kit or or the the home kit or something along those lines—to to kind of get us back to being Chicago. Because right now, there's nothing about this team that says Chicago. We have one homegrown player that uh, that plays, and he's without a doubt our most consistent player um, with uh, Pineda. He's fantastic. He's everything that we want in an MLS youth product player. Um, and hopefully he stays for his entire career. Um, and hopefully we can get more of Chicago's identity in the team. And you know we haven't had it for a long time, and I hope it can come back and, and move forward. It's just yeah.
0: the move okay, to Soldier dude. Field
1: was Go good ahead. to get out of Toyota Park, but... It is not going well for them. They're, you know, they're averaging 10,000 fans or so. Wednesday games are at eight. Saturday games are around 11 or 12. It's, it's not a good look. Um, and if the team's playing well, fans go to the games. And it's a clear indication. You can look at their attendance numbers to when they played well. In 2017, when they were the best team in the league, you know they were averaging eighteen, nineteen thousand people at at Bridgeview. Um, when they're not good, it's twelve, eleven thousand people, and and that's you know the fans know what a good product is and what not a good product, and they don't want to watch a product that's not
0: very good. Simple as that. Yep. Well, Joe, I sincerely hope that your footballing uh, support is uh, justified here in the near future with one of your two teams. Yeah, it's, yeah.
1: it's tough over here. <laughs> Teaching drains me out, and then I get the enjoyment of watching football on the weekends. It's Arsenal on the fire. But, uh, you know, it's still fun. It's a fun know sport to watch, it. and it's, <laughs> you know, it, it, I go through all the emotions.
0: Oh, there's certain motions you seem to be going through a little bit more.
1: It's all right. I'm in Uh, touch with myself. That's good. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, that pretty much sums up uh, what we wanted to get caught up on. Uh, We did want to just touch on the rule changes uh, for the Premier League before we uh, go into fantasy real quick. Um, VAR, they have expanded the, the line that they will be using to check offsides to see, you know, give a little bit more leeway to the forwards. So apparently Fernandez is one of Fernandez's goals <clears throat> would have been disallowed last season is now, uh, been allowed this season. So hopefully more goals and less disappointment with overturn goals. Um, Ref uh, ARs are going to be (laughs) given the reins to call offsides again a little quicker. So instead of waiting and letting people play the play out, if they know that it's offsides, then they're going to call it offsides. There's no reason to wait any longer. Which I didn't understand last year. You know, making that call it was so didn't make any sense. Um, The handball rule the previously if the if there was a handball on your team when the build up of the play yeah no matter what no right? matter what it got called back now it's if it's unintentional then um then it will be allowed <clears throat> you still can't score directly from a handball um and you know that still kind of brings up the idea of the handball and what is intentional and what is not i think there's still gray lines there i think they're getting better at it they seem to be a little bit more lenient, but I think it's still gray area. <clears throat> yep. And then lastly, there's subs, so they are allowing nine subs now, but uh, still only three that can make it onto the field. But you can have a bigger bench, so
1: it's good for the youth. Some yeah. kids that might get some match day experience. Yeah, um, and
0: give you a little bit more cover. You can have yep. two two players in each position at least, and so. I'd like to see those five
1: subs, but like, come on, but, you know, make the bench bigger. And then next year, bring in five subs and a water break and timeouts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if you've heard this and, and I really don't know what to feel about it, but they are toying with 30 minute halves uh, stopping the clock for stoppage time, instead of having, you know, it go into five extra minutes, mm-hmm. thirty minutes, it'll stop, but they stop the clock when the ball goes out of bounds, free kicks and things like that. Um, no more throw ins. So kick in from you know where the ball went out. And uh what was the last one? Um, blue cards for yeah. lack of a better term. Yeah. So was it a penalty bin? What's what's mm-hmm. the what's a sin bin, I think? Sin thin bin, yeah, 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 yeah. Um which should be interesting. I, so. I would have
1: lived in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've been there once a game. Um, I, I mean,
1: that that seems. I think I saw that they tried it in some tournament or some games in Holland. Yeah. Um,
0: so they're trying I mean, it out, which is scary. But yeah,
1: like the kick-ins part, I need a little bit more clarification. What they were doing was just like putting it down and going. Right. Um, that seems okay. It just like now Every everything's 50 a corner yards, kick. Right. That seems like it would really slow the game down. You know, you're 40 yards out, but, you know, you send the defenders up. And, you know, I think if it's just like to get the ball on your foot and go, I would be cool with that. But I think it would definitely turn into a free kick situation. Right. Um, And that part kind of I would be against. Um, I think I also saw unlimited subs. Was part of it too. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that yeah, that, that part would
1: be. Uh, I'm for it. I just, I like I like having the the ability to change the way the match is going. I think that that is something that makes it fun to watch as a supporter. I think it really hurts the smaller teams that just aren't as deep. Right. Um, but you know that's a problem for them. <laughs> I think. I think it. I think the way that you can change a match, I think would would be a benefit for that kind of stuff but
0: 30 minute halves 30 minute halves turns into 45 minutes somehow you know or even 40 i think it'll get closer to that so i don't think it's going to be just 30 minutes it's not going to be one hour game since the clock does stop so it's not like it's just you know running clock to 30 minutes and you're done it's it's going to go closer to 40 minutes so it might not be all that different but it might give people more clear, um, you know, how much time is left in the game where nowadays people are like, well, there's 10 minutes left in the game, but then there's going to be another five (laughs) or three or four. So I don't know. Yeah. I think that also like,
1: you know, that, I mean, it's just, it's different. It's thinking out of the box. I mean, it's, it's different, but you know, I just want more subs and I don't want anything
0: else. <laughs> five <laughs> subs would do it then, wouldn't five it? Five
1: subs would do it, but, you know, at least don't they're... do talk to
0: Mike. Don't yeah, bring that up yeah, on yeah. the next one.
1: It seems like at least they're thinking forward, at least, uh, you know, throwing out ideas. They might not be right. great ideas, but, you know, they're trying something and, and seeing where it goes. Uh, yeah. Quicker games might be... I, I mean, I don't have any problem with it, I think...
0: Total if they're going to keep the number of games that they're playing, then yeah. quicker games might be necessary.
1: Yeah, I mean, an I'm hour a and a half. Is, yeah, it's good for me, but, um, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe things need to change
0: and we'll go from there. That's right. So yeah, something new, something different. We shall see. Well, it leads us to our very last topic, which is fantasy football. Um, Jeff's Jeff's pride and joy here, because you guys can't touch me. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's not true. I then uh, definitely ran away with the the pickums, but then uh, you guys caught up last year. So, um, and looks like Mike is in the lead. To start, he's picked 7 out of 10, correct? Yep. Um, I was 50-50. You were right behind me, and we have Good. a new contestant, Mr. Chris. Yep. Uh, which will be joining us just for the Fantasy League. So, we'll be continuing our pick-ems. And how are we feeling about our fantasy teams?
1: Our fantasy team? I'm happy with. I got a, I got a, a stacked roster, I think, when there's only three of us in a fantasy Base league, our rosters are all pretty stacked, um, but there's. Uh, I'm happy with the, the team that I got. Uh, I did, I did pick up a Spurs player, um, but I think he's the only Spurs player that you can kind of like. Like if he wasn't playing for Spurs, I'd like him. I'm with Son. Uh, yeah. He seems to play the game the right way. It's you know, but he plays for Spurs, so you know whatever, but <laughs> if he was on any other team, you know, I think he'd be all right. So I, it's not Harry Kane. That's for sure. That guy is the worst, but, um, See what? you know, I, I think it's, uh, I'm very pleased with the team. I got James Ward Prowse again. I love that little guy pickup. Yeah. I think he, uh, is, I wish he was, I wish Arsenal pushed for him. I think he would have been a fantastic signing. I don't understand how he's still at Southampton, um I think he's definitely ready to to step up to a big time club and maybe when Mike's predictions right and they get relegated Arsenal come in and <laughs> and he'll, he'll end up there but um you know he's uh, I love watching that guy play I think he plays the game the right way and his his play also translates on the fantasy side too so but yeah I'm not Yeah, sometimes too.
0: different picking up a fantasy player versus um you know someone you'd actually want on your team. It's okay. not always the same. No.
1: How are you feeling about your team?
0: Uh, similar to you, I had to pick up uh, a Man United player uh, for some reason. Uh, Pogba had posted too many numbers, and I think he's going to continue his trend. Um, so I had to pick him up. Otherwise, I tried, to, I
1: tried to pick him up, but you got you had the
0: the higher priority. So gonna, there's uh, perks to being last place. <laughs> <clears throat> so I, I changed my team almost entirely from our our draft Ooh, Jeff had a steal in the
1: draft too a steal at Wesley Fafano with that broken ankle out for the next like rest of his career and Jeff's taking him in the like sixth round a Steal. Yeah.
0: yeah you know just uh, we're working through things right yeah. now but we'll see it's still early on and and like you said there's a lot of a lot of big names out there I got half of my team is injured right now so um, I think I'm, I'm just a, I'll be a sitter for a little bit. I'll be quiet, little sitter in the background, yeah. keeping close enough. And then once all my guys get healthy, watch out, uh, watch out. So we'll keep an eye on that going forward uh, to the yep. pick them and the fantasy, always fun to, to chime in on those. So if you guys have any picks that you think that we should pick up, um, you yeah. know, send them on our way and be your football pod on twitter yeah. any hot and, takes
1: a new segment
0: oh yeah any hot, hot takes, takes
1: you think we can that we think we should discuss
0: send them our way they, they can be controversial uh keep them clean but controversial is fine you know there's there's no problem saying arteta in uh, yep. it is definitely uh, is controversial a <laughs> that's a hot take hot take um otherwise you know, this definitely was one of our longer episodes since it's been such a long time we're glad to be back we're, yep. we're kind of getting our toes back in the water. We, we got to get our beer back in and we got to get our thruple back together, but we definitely didn't want to miss this week uh, before the, the next fixture list comes out or the next fixtures complete this weekend. So yep. always All good right. time, Joe. Definitely. Glad we were able to get on and Mike's, uh, Mike's picks for the, the top four are pretty controversial. Um, what was it? Brentford, Watford, Newcastle snuck New in there too. Heslo, yeah. Crystal Palace. <laughs> and then uh, he's got Chelsea City and Liverpool going down. So yeah. uh, we'll Man City's getting safe
1: last weekend.
0: All right, with that is uh great great podding again and we'll we're gonna be back on the mics here shortly in the next few days. So yep. as always, next one's on us. Cheers. Cheers.